Today's topic is about domestic violence and murder and may be triggering or disturbing to some listeners. So please be very cautious while listening to this program. Um, I do hope that you're able to get through it and learn so much from my guest today um, about domestic violence and where it leads. Thanks for joining Imagine Publicity on Air, which is partner-sponsored by Wild Blue Press and Imagine Publicity on the Inside Lens Network. This network covers a variety of topics for you who are interested in current events, issues of importance, true crime, business, history, and books. I'm your host, Delilah Jones of ImaginePublicity.com, a social media management company that works with individuals, companies, or nonprofits looking for assistance with their social media presence. Not only do I offer full services, but also training to those who prefer to personally handle their own accounts. My guest today is Jody Joni, I'm very sorry, Joni Ankerson, who is a true survivor of one of the most deadly crimes against women, domestic violence. However, Her story takes a deadly turn, as told in her new book from Wild Blue Press, To Kill or to Be Killed. Welcome, Joni. How are you today? I'm good. I'm really good. Thanks, Delilah. Um, You bet. So I'd, I'd like to start out by talking a little bit about your background. Um, I like for listeners to sort of know the author before we go into the meat of the book. So if you could just tell mm-hmm. us, you know, where where did you come from? What did you do in your early life? All the good things. Oh, sure. I had I have all but good all good things to say about my childhood and growing up. I, I live in, in northern Michigan in Traverse City, the most one of the most beautiful places in the world, I believe. Uh, Michigan, as you know, is surrounded by the Great Lakes and it's just a beautiful place where all of the seasons play out really nicely and it's 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 just wonderful. It's really nice. And my family is awesome. I have Grew up with two loving parents and three siblings, and um, we had a really awesome upbringing, really, really good one. Michigan is a beautiful place. I have my grandson lives up there, and it's just a beautiful place. And, And I think it's a nice place to raise a family, don't you? Oh, yeah. Most of it. Well, well, most of it, yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't like the snow, of course, but then if, if you're raised here, that's not a big deal at all. And you, you learn to ski and ice fish and be outside. And I, I, just, I, I wouldn't live anywhere else. I just, it's very natural. It's very healing. It's just a, a, a great place to be. Well, that's what I hear. I, I actually was raised in Ohio, so not too far from Michigan. Oh, no. But, huh. um, uh, I don't know. I've I've lived south since the very early seventies, and I don't think I could go back in the snow again. That was never, oh, even yeah. as a child, was not one of my favorite things. Cold well, weather. No. Not even see as a child. I I I loved it. It was it was just what I what I knew. I I don't like it as much now that I'm an adult because it's too hard. You know. It's cold and you have to shovel and you're you're freezing on the way to work and um but 
it's what I've always known. So right, right. Well, um, let's let's start talking. Uh, let's lead into your new book, which is going to be released August 11th. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And it's called To Kill or Be Killed, a true crime memoir. Um, Just for the sake of of letting listeners know who don't know already, um, I worked for several years with the late Susan Murphy Milano, who was a very well-known advocate for domestic violence victims, uh, changing laws, doing, you know, whatever it took to to bring this crime to light and to get help for victims. And one of those things that she came up with was the evidentiary abuse affidavit. And that can be found at documenttheabuse.com. It's it's a very simple, simple tool, but it has been so very helpful for victims. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I will send you some information about that oh, when we I go would, off air. Love to see it. Yes. And, you, don't uh, know, you don't know where to go. I mean, you don't know what to do. Well, exactly. I think, and that is the point. She worked with many, many hundreds and hundreds of victims over the years. And, you know, this is this is the culmination of it. And she was actually, she was... The point where the evidentiary abuse affidavit came about, and I know this is so off topic from from your story, but I just needed oh, to get no, this I, in here, is was no, through the case of Stacy and Drew Peterson. She met with Pastor Neil Shorey and looked around his church that Stacy attended and saw all this oh. video equipment. And she's like, why didn't you use this and get her statement on video? And so that's where the whole evidential abuse affidavit came about was, you know, through her connection to Stacy Peterson case. And now um, document the abuse is headed up by Stacy Peterson's sister-in-law, Norma Peterson. Mm-hmm. So things have come full circle in the area of domestic violence. And, you know, I, one thing that I have learned from working with Susan so closely, plus, you know, talking to a lot of people who were in that situation is that there's there's so much more to do whether it's a woman or whether it's a man there it doesn't matter there's just so much more to do to keep an intimate partner safe in this world but so much more to do and there there will never be enough time to get it all done there's that much I have to agree with you there it, you know, there there are no quick fixes, and I'm sure you have found that as well um, yeah. through, you know, through your life. There there really isn't any quick fix for this situation. So no. that being said, oh, <laughs> that being said, well, um, that's, that's a, that's a good, the good leeway into what I was thinking, but go ahead. <laughs> what were you thinking? Oh, well, I was thinking... Um, it it's hard to get started because the first thing that has to be done is that the victim has to admit that it's happening. Correct. And that is, that's the thing. That's the key right there in my eyes. 
I never told anybody what was happening at my house. Mm-mm. Well, of course, he was a police officer. But I don't care who you are, if you are a victim, if your husband's the Coca-Cola guy or a police officer or he's a businessman, you don't go around presenting yourself as a victim of domestic violence. You don't. You well, you and I think don't too. Have yeah, over the years, you know, thankfully I was able to le- learn a lot from Susan as we worked together because her father was a police officer who actually murdered her mother and, and then took his own life. So I was mm-hmm. able to learn a lot about police officer-involved domestic violence, and that is kind of a niche all in itself because Absolutely. you as the victim, who are you going to – Who do you tell? And then when you right. have the abuser telling you, well, nobody's going to believe you anyway. I mean, they're not going to believe that I'm doing anything like that to you. Well, I, I, I'm, they, they put, well, I'm not going to, they put, they being the abusers. And, and, and again, I don't care if they wear a uniform or a cook coat. They put themselves on such a high pedestal because that's their, that's their mindset they don't think they don't think first of all they don't think they're doing anything wrong and they don't think that the the victim would ever say anything because they they break us down so much um it's just a complete it's complete wreckage Absolutely. And I just want to put this out there as a maybe a disclaimer. You know, we we totally understand that domestic violence or intimate partner violence happens to everybody, whether you're female, whether you're a male, mm-hmm. whether, you know, you're gay or straight, it doesn't matter. Huh. Um what we're talking about today is probably going to be a little more female oriented because you were the victim. So just right, to correct. to put that out there for listeners. Oh yeah, and when I talk about my abuse, I I often refer to women, but I don't I don't do that perp- intentionally because there's victims, men are victims, children are victims. It's yeah, it's widespread. It definitely is, and it 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 knows no boundaries. There aren't any boundaries no. in domestic violence, mm-hmm. and doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how many possessions you have or how no. poor you are. It it's very indiscriminate, and I uh, I think that's the the most complicated part about the issue is that it is mm-hmm. so discriminate. You can't put a face on it. You can't show a picture of it. It's it's just Every single case is different. Every single victim is different. Every single abuser is different. So it's really difficult. Don't you feel to just, you know, put a broad stroke on domestic violence? This is what you do. You go to an agency and click off the boxes and then nothing happens. Well, and and society treats it like... uh, like, oh, yeah, just like you said, you you go to see someone because you're a domestic violence victim, but it's like it's in the same category as going to the doctor because you have a sore throat. It's 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 not it's not recognized. It's not nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to hear about it. Everybody wants to pretend that it's not going on, including the victim. I mean, that that's where it where it starts. Um I didn't want anyone to know. I 
present yourself in such a way. For me, I worked professionally. I worked in offices for lawyers and, and whatnot. I dressed up every day. I put my makeup on. I did my hair. I was, I was me, um, but I was a, a diminished me. I was so, you're so closed into a box. Um, it's just really hard to explain. It really is. No. And and everyone, you know, I've told my story and other women have said, oh, yes, uh, well, I was abused, but it wasn't as bad as what you were. And And I always stop them right there and say, wait a minute. Abuse is abuse is abuse. Uh, um, there's no well, in my eyes, there's no greater abuse. You, you haven't been through greater abuse than I have because whatever that one act of abuse is, is hor- horrific and horrible for the for the victim and the way it makes you feel. You can't. I don't think people should compare their abuse stories at all. Uh, um, abuse is bad. It's awful. It's it's life draining. Period. It doesn't matter how bad it is. That's a very good point. You're right. And, you know, I think one of the things that we expect almost from victims, which is unfortunate, it's, it's like, tell your story. And and I think, yes, your stories are very, very important. Don't get me wrong when I'm saying this, mm-hmm. but right. everyone's story is different. And everyone's story is, you know, you can't compare, like you said, well, you right. know. It it can't be compared. Oh, she's being because... abused, but you know she's still she's still walking. She's still oh she's abused. I think you know. Or, but when you're abused to the point where you actually believe that killing your abuser is the way to get out, that is dream. That is that is a pro. That's a definite problem. Well, and you know that segues into your book to kill or be killed. And I think we have set the set the stage very well that, you know, some people get into situations where there is no other way out. And mm-hmm. that is so hard for people to understand for some yeah. reason. But to get that message across from someone who actually lived it is the crux of this particular episode. And I think it's a an, very important story to tell. And so let's just kind of get into the book. I don't want to give away everything because I really want people to buy this book to know your whole story. Um, because I think in in a I think every victim's story is important for the next victim because if you can Absolutely. read this and you can understand what happened. If you can wrap your head around it, sometimes it's very difficult to even wrap your head around the incidents that happen, but it may save your life. It may That's, save well, your yeah. life. I and mean, I if, think if one woman says, oh, my gosh, that's happening. That's happening to me. What's next? Right. Right. And as I was reading your book, Joni, um, this abuse happened in your second marriage, right? And your your children were actually no, was, from your first marriage. Am I right? This was actually my third marriage, Lila, but yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yep, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't pick men very well. No. I don't either. 
Oh, well, hey, <laughs> it's a woman thing. <laughs> yes, sure. it is. <laughs> well, but of course I thought this man was, I mean, he was a police officer. He was, he was all that. I mean, he was handsome and had the uniform and, and nice. And, and I thought a savior, oh my gosh, this is the perfect person. He's like, he's going to protect me forever. And I think, you know, it's it's very difficult for a lot of people in the public to understand what it's like to be married to a police officer, and mm-hmm. especially an abusive police officer. That's another ball game that, you know, a lot of people don't have very good insight into because we want to believe that our police are out there to protect and serve us. That's what it says on their badge, protect and serve. That's right. And so you feel like, well, this is the man who's going to do that for me, and I'm going to have access to protect and serve every day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's it's unimaginable, really. Um, and of course, he doesn't. He they don't. Most abusers don't look like abusers, and they on the outside they don't act like abusers. Um, so that's. It's just such a such a hard there's just so many levels on every every side of it there's just it's like a like a mountain every every little inch on every side is some something different and I don't know Delilah how we bring all that together to to try to help people I don't know how we do that I think you're doing it right now, Joni. This writing this book and putting these details out there is the way that that's going to help more people that you won't even know about. You really won't because people that read this book that are in a situation, they're not going to tell you, but they're going to get something out of it. You've you've got a mm-hmm. very strong message here and, you know, I I think, again, it's a very triggering message for a lot of victims of abuse. But, you know, it's it's something that you can't just sweep it under the carpet because it's going to come back as a monster. Well, exactly. And, 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 again, it starts with the victim. It starts with the person being abused. But, I mean, you can't be. And I, I, I truly believe that. That's why I believe that end the silence of abuse is so important because real, I remember vividly, and it was years into my marriage, when I finally was able to say to myself, oh, my gosh, I'm being abused. That word abused is so strong and so scary. And I couldn't, I said it to myself and realized it finally. I mean, I knew in my heart, of course, for years that it was happening, but to take it out and look at it and admit it to myself was a huge step. But then it was years before I ever talked about it, said any words about it. And that was after I was arrested. <laughs> so it's such a such a process. You You bury it so deep and it's so shameful. And when you bury that stuff it just grows really deep roots and changes who you are. And, you know, a lot of things, I believe a lot of the things in my book, people aren't going to believe. I I think that they're going to think that I made this up or 
my attorney asked me so many times through the over the year they represented me before I went to prison, are you making this up? And I would just look at him and say, I couldn't make this up if I tried. I mean, no, I'm not making this up. And, and then, of course, how you present yourself on the outside doesn't match with the words you finally speak. So how people have a hard time um, putting those two things together. That's a very good point. It's a very good point because, as you know, people who are in the midst of, of the abuse don't recognize it for what it is a lot of the times. Don't oh, no. you feel that way? Well, absolutely they don't. And the first reason is they don't want to. They they don't want to believe that their husband or their 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 significant other of so many years that maybe they have kids with and they're building a life and a family with, they don't want to believe that they're in that situation. No, I refuse to believe that I'm in an abusive situation that that's not me that I'm smarter than that you know I no and and that's that's how manipulators and abusers are so good at sucking you in and making you believe everything that they tell you about themselves about your own self um they they are so good at making the surrounding um people the surrounding environment believe as as my family did, oh my gosh, they knew he was controlling, but they but they also knew he was a police officer, so they thought he was being protective. You know, oh, I can't come over because of this, or it, it was always, well, she's fine. He's just protecting her. He's just worried about her, and that's what you that's what I believed because I couldn't admit to myself that I was actually in an abusive relationship. Well, it is a very difficult thing to admit. Well, because then you have to go there. I mean, if, as soon as you mention I'm in a, an abusive relationship, right, then you have to go there and, and dig up all of that stuff, and you don't even realize all of the stuff that you've buried, how awful it is. It, you know, Some things you don't even think are abuse, but they're... <laughs> There are so many ways to be abused. I mean, nobody has to lay a hand on you. He never, he never hit me. Never bloodied my nose or blackened my eye. Or he was too smart for that, and he told me that I would never do that because that would be evidence for you. And then, then you know, that would be my job. And said I'm not that stupid. So it doesn't have to be. That you don't, if, uh, domestic violence and abuse does not have to be bruises and blood and scratches. It, the, the, the mental and the emotional abuse lasts much longer. Absolutely, it does. And, and, you know, I know you and probably everyone else that's listening are very familiar with the power and control wheel. And I mm-hmm. would say that you know when when you got into this marriage everything was great for a while wasn't it it doesn't just rear its ugly head like a big monster jumping out oh, of the no. bed it's kind of a very slow process very slow process and you kind of go oh that's that's a little odd but okay that's okay yeah that that that's kind of i'm not sure about that but but that's okay yeah and, and as you as you get deeper into it, 
the the abuser brings more and more things into the relationship and eventually and by that point he's he's usually got you so um enamored with him and he's so smart well for me he's so smart and what he says is so true and oh he's right i i i'm sick a lot or he's it it's just their master, this man was a master at his craft. He was a master, and I wasn't his first victim. Um, and 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 I don't understand. Um, that was just who he was. He he was, well, be, being a police officer, just his personality. He was he was very arrogant. He was very know it all. He's smarter than everyone else. He's what he says is true, and what nothing you say even means anything kind of guy. And at what point in the marriage did you lose you? Oh, well, we dated for about a year and a half, and then he got a promotion from being a trooper to a sergeant. And when he got a promotion, he had to be transferred. So we had been dating. And and there had been a lot of those little things of, oh, that's kind of strange, but that's okay. It was still... It was it was it was good and I was I I really loved him a lot. He I I really I I admired him. I admired I put him on a pedestal for who he was and what his career was and I and I wanted him to be that person and I clung to that like life. <laughs> but it didn't turn out that way. Um I think when I first started really losing myself was after he got the promotion and he got transferred he asked me to marry him because we had to move away a, a couple of hours south in Michigan and of course I said yes oh my gosh this is exciting um but once he got me away from where I had lived my whole life where my entire family was that was the intent that was a perfect situation for him the isolation away from anybody who could step in and help you. And, Correct. you know, that's, again, and I'm sure, you know, since this time you've learned from a lot of other victims that this is so classic. Isolate oh. from family and friends and, um, yeah. you know, just kind of brainwash. And and then the, the Ab- fact absolutely. that... The fact that you know he's a police officer with the power of the of the badge and the gun, um, yeah, you know that that escalates the power and control even further. Oh, it it sure does. Uh huh. Yeah. It, I just I it's it's not hard for me to talk about. It's just a lot of times I have no words because there's just so much to say. But but where do you start? Where 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 do you go? Um, so uh, you know, direct questions from you would be really easy for me right now, probably. <laughs> oh no, not a problem, not a problem. Well, obviously his you know his pattern of abuse escalated in a classic manner. I mean, if you know if anyone out there is listening that is familiar with domestic abuse, they you know you know about the escalation and and it never ends up well. It just never ends well. Mm-mm. Um. It's it's a very hard road. It's a very mm-hmm. difficult thing to get out of. And so I'm just going to skip to the point where, you know, you had no other way out, did you? 
No, I, I didn't. And I want to touch on your point of it never ends well. And that doesn't mean, rarely does it mean truly that someone's going to die. When you say it doesn't end well, it does, it, no, it never ends well because the victim is always a victim, whether she stays or not. And the abuser is always an abuser, so he finds someone else. So, no, it never ends well. Correct. No. That's exactly exactly what my point was. Thank you. So what was the tipping point for you? What was the point to where you, with everything in your gut, said, I'm not taking this anymore, and you pulled the trigger? It was the sexual abuse. Uh, I mean, I, he had already... Um, buried me beneath the ground as far as my my psyche goes, my self confidence. My I believed everything he told me about myself. I, I believe, and I was I was six feet under way before he ever was. And I know a lot of people have a hard time believing that. Um, well, somehow you rised up and were strong enough to shoot and kill him. Well, yeah, because that's what happens when you get to that line. There's a line in the sand, and everybody has one. And I'm not saying everybody's capable of murder, but there's a line in the sand for everyone. And after you get pushed over that so many times and you realize, I I think I just became so full of negativity and and, uh, he was raping me all the time. He, He was taking advantage of me sexually all the time, all the time. Um, I was just his, He made me feel like a whore, and I know that's a hard, ugly word, but I just decided I don't ever want him to touch me again. I I couldn't even, it got to the point where I couldn't even lay next to him in bed because he had such an evil aura coming off of him because of the things he was doing and what he had become. it, it, I felt like it would just push me out of the bed. It just I didn't want to be close to him. I, I was just so I could, my body couldn't take anymore. My my mind couldn't take anymore. I I knew that if I killed him, I knew I was going to go to prison for the rest of my life. I knew that. I knew that as a as a spouse of a police officer, okay, all of the benefits, if you get divorced or whatever, sure, I was the beneficiary, but I knew that I wasn't going to be getting, I was getting out of there with my life, and that's all I wanted, and it, and I decided (laughs) that that was the only way I could get out, because I had tried to get out, and it was always so masterful at getting me to come back. And that's a good point that you make at this point in the story, Joni, is the fact that, you know, you did try to leave several times. And like most other victims out there, it's it's not an unusual thing to leave and be, become lured back in for one reason or another. I mean, I think statistics say a victim leaves, what, nine times or something before. Yeah, I've, I've heard different numbers, nine or 13, and people go, oh, right. my gosh, that's I would never do that. Well, and I say to those people, you don't know what you would do. If you're in a domestic violence situation that's so bad, you don't know what you're going to do when you wake up the next morning. You, you that's don't. very true. And, and to try to 
leave, you know, and you have to do that in secret. If you're to the point where you want to leave your abusive relationship and he's there all the time and keeps tabs on everything, how do you even attempt to do that? It's it's just impossible. It's it's impossible. Exactly. And, you know, the age-old question, why didn't you just leave? And yeah. there's no well, explanation. What if you, what if you have three kids? I didn't, I mean, I was, it was just me and my kids were grown. But what if you have three kids right. and no money because, and and what if, you can't just leave. And, no. and I really want to defeat that because it's just, unless well, you have someone who's going to come and rescue you. Right. That's one of the most important points that I think we need to get across is, is the public's perception of why didn't you just leave? If it was so bad and it was so horrific, mm-hmm. why don't you just leave? Um, and there's uh, hundreds and hundreds of reasons why a victim can't leave. Yes. Well, and, and, and they're obvious, but Obvious, you know, money, uh, ge- geography, whatever. Those those are the obvious reasons. But I think the most important one that people don't understand is that abuser. Once he has you and has you where he wants you, and you leave, oh, he wants you back. He he needs you back. Uh, it's not that he he doesn't need you back because he loves you or he doesn't need you back because he's sorry or things are going to change. He needs to he needs that control over you to live. That that's that was my situation. Um, yes, he couldn't that's a, live that's without a very good point. that. It, I think he got to the point where well he he got to the point where he had to have that in his life in order to function and that believe that but Delilah, Delilah but it's true it's very true so it when is they, and when they, when they lure you back in they promise the world and oh I'll never do that again and I love you so much and this will change and please um we'll work on it and you go back and I could get I could guarantee almost everybody, every time. It goes right back to how it was. And then by then, he has you even deeper down in a hole. He takes more exactly. things from you. Maybe your ability to even have any money or your ability to go anywhere. Maybe you don't have a car. Maybe you're stuck at home with those three kids. Miserable. Um, it's just, people need to realize it's not all about what, why the victim doesn't leave it. It's the abuser himself, his actions and reactions to when you do leave. Mm-hmm. And making it close to impossible in, in a lot of cases. Yeah. It's, uh, well, and that's, yeah it's, and that's what happened to me the last time I left is he, he made it impossible for me to not go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there again. I refer back to the power and control wheel, where you know this, this you can go around that wheel more than once. That's for sure. I mean, yeah, I it's, just, a, it's a uh, helpful tool to see these yeah. things in writing, and then you go, oh yes, okay, here here's the stage I am mm-hmm. today. What's tomorrow bring? Oh, that's worse. I, right. you know, what do you do? And how do you win? At what point do you finally jump off the wheel? 
Well, right, and when when you when you're presented with, I was presented with the I, the first time I had ever seen that was when I was in prison in a domestic violence class that wheel, and to look at that, and for for Jane Smith to look at that, who maybe isn't abused, for her to look at that and go, oh my gosh, that that's horrible. But if if women would take the time to really look at it and say, wait a second, this little pie square right here. Yes, that uh, he does that to me. You know, it might be only one of the little pie squares on the wheel. But if you're if if you're in denial about being in an abusive relationship in any way, shape, or form, you're going to look at that wheel and push it aside. Oh, that's not happening to me. That's somebody else. Exactly. Let's let's talk about your time in prison. Um, kind of go through that. What did that do to you? made me strong in the worst way. It made me strong in the worst way. I, I, when I got to prison, I weighed a hundred pounds <laughs> and I couldn't wow. even hold, I couldn't even hold my head up. I would walk around and, and I found this out later. Um, after I was there uh, uh, several months, people would say, oh, my gosh, you look you look so much better. You know, I, I couldn't stand up straight. I would hold my head down. I remember going into the prison barbershop to get my hair cut. Like the third or fourth time I went in there, the girl that had been cutting it said, you're really doing a lot better. She said, you used to come in here, and, and I would have to come around and pick your chin up so I could cut your hair because you couldn't hold your head up. And, but she said, but you're getting better at that. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, trying to hold your chin up and be strong in a place like that is impossible. It was horrible. But I can I, only but imagine. I and, I, and I think it was the strength of God. I, I believe, and I really do believe this, this, the second the nanosecond after I fired that last shot into that man, I felt this this surge of energy come up through the floor and go in through my body and out the top of my head. And I didn't know it then, but I know it now without a doubt that that was God beginning to cleanse me and put me, putting, he put that strength inside of me to survive seven and a half years of hell in prison. Um, and I wasn't, I don't know what, how you say, I, w- I want to say I wasn't a normal prisoner, and, and that may sound just conceited to some people, but I'd never been in trouble. I, I, I'm not a career criminal. I, uh, yes, I, I'm a convicted murderer, but I didn't go into a grocery store and kill the clerk and take $100. Um, it was a very, it, yes, prison made me strong almost too strong. I I don't recognize myself as much anymore because I'm so bold. I'm I'm so honest and I'm so um excuse my language, uh, fuck you kind of thing. <laughs> and I still carry the the prison language because you have to be you do. You you have to tell people and they understand to leave you alone and stay away from you or you'll just be you'll just be inundated with um things you can't imagine 
I don't even want to imagine. I I can't imagine how you spent. How many years were you in? Seven and a half. And my at my first parole hearing, I got my at the six year mark because I got six to fifteen years. And at the six year mark, I went to the parole board, and I, my parole got denied, and I was what they call flopped for eighteen more months. So that. After I got flopped is when I started writing my book. Because <laughs> I, I really believed, I wanted to believe, and I did believe that when I went to the parole board for the first time that I was, they were going to release me. And I was so mistaken. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was. I can't um, imagine the disappointment you must have felt at that point. Well, you feel helpless you're you're complete everything's controlled you you have control over nothing and i the only thing that that saved me delilah was from the day i got there i knew i was getting out i knew i didn't have i had years i had six to 15 some women have 20 to 50 they know although albeit 50 years they may spend they know they are eventually going to walk out of the gate there's women there that don't have numbers. They have four little letters that spell life, L-I-F-E. And that means they're never going home. And there are women there that are there for life for the same thing that I did. And they're never getting out. And I can't even think about that. I, I, I can't think about that because they're... Yes, they all killed their husbands or their spouses, and some of them, some of them in horrific, awful, terrible ways. Um, but that does not mean that they're not wrecked, um, uh, just abused women who had no other choice, and now have to live for the rest of their lives. I I don't even know how they do it. I I don't know how they wake up every morning knowing this is it for the duration of my time on this earth. I don't know how they do that. You made a very, very good point. And, and the, I think to me, the most horrific thing is that there are so many women who are in prison for life that had similar circumstances to you that they're, oh. you know, you get pushed up against a wall to where there is no mm-hmm. other way out. And they Absolutely. can call it the domestic violence syndrome or whatever fancy battered word they want to call it. Yes, battered yeah. wife mm-hmm. syndrome. That, that you, can't, you can't even use that defense in Michigan, which is another <sighs> show. <laughs> yeah. <Sorry. laughs> so, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's ridiculous because – I I still think after the many, many, many years that domestic violence has been an issue. And I, I, you know, I go back, I think it came to the forefront during the O.J. Simpson trial when, you know, a lot of, yes, but. Well, that's the first. What on earth has really really changed? Yeah. Oh, my God. There's well, there's just it, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating to see and to hear stories like yours, and you know, knowing that there are so many women and men as well um, that are mm-hmm. imprisoned for the rest of their lives because they had no other choice. 
Right. And and like you said, um, the women that are in prison because they've killed their abusers, it it touches on what we talked about earlier. Um, It does. They're they. It doesn't matter if there was their abuse was as bad as mine, but their abuse was bad enough for them to get to that point. That's all that matters. No, there's not many people that get to the point where they decide to shoot their to to kill someone. That's exactly. not exactly. And none of the women that are there for life that killed their abusers ever would ever ever have dreamt of killing anyone else like myself or even robbing a store or committing a, a crime. We are not murderers. We are survivors, and we were put in a position where we had to save our own lives. That's the bottom line. We Absolutely. did what we did to save ourselves, um, and that takes strength. You don't – that's – I was I was a weak and I was a really wrecked woman. But when you make that decision, you're not a weak and wrecked woman when you decide to kill someone. You're, you're devastated, um, uh, completely ruined, drowned person. Right. And if you look at the other side of the of the plate here, is you know. Domestic violence, at one point, I don't know if the statistic is still true, but at one point, domestic violence was the leading cause of death for pregnant women. Oh, well, look at look at Lacey Peterson. Absolutely. You talked about, you talked about Stacey. And, and, of course, that poor woman, nobody even knows where her body is. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's interesting because Drew Peterson that you talked about, was a police officer as well. Yeah, he, absolutely. That can happen. Oh, he reminds me so much of my husband. Just the same arrogance, the same demeanor, the way he carries himself, the the, uh, the immediate um, impression that he has that everybody's just going to bow to him and, and he's the one, he's the man. Everything he says that comes out of his mouth is right and correct and you should listen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's oh. let's let's turn the tables. How are you doing now? How are you healed from this? Are still in the process of healing from all of this that you've written about? Oh, I I think I'm I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I I have the the pleasure of living in the house that I grew up in with my parents, taking care of my mom, and she's 80 and she has dementia. And I live here with her, and we're a really good team. <laughs> this is such a healing place because I grew up here. It was a wonderful upbringing. It's close to the river that I was in every day as a child. Um, it's just the perfect place for me to heal. And my mother is such a loving, wonderful woman. And my family, my I have so many supporters, and they 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 give me my space, and and they lead me to my trauma and my PTSD comes out a lot um, and it's really a process, but, but I believe I'm, I'm doing pretty well because I'm still upright. I'm trying to be a productive member of society. Uh, um, I believe that I have to move forward because I really truly believe that God has appointed me to tell my story like I told it, in detail because it's so very important. 
I agree with you. I think every every survivor's story is so very important for the next person. Um, I would mm-hmm. love to have a world where we don't need those stories anymore. But <laughs> even, you know, if you, by telling that story, are able to touch one life, it's worth it. It's well worth it. And oh, I feel I, the that, same I, way. I believe that, yes. I feel well, the same way when I think. talk to people like you. And, and I'm able to showcase this issue for what it is. Because if there's one listener out there, just one if you get the message, if you need to get out of an abusive relationship, there are ways. Don't be afraid Uh to reach out. I think that, you know, the fear, the fear of what is he going to do to me or the fear of I can't make it on my own, my children, there are ways that you can reach out for help. And, um, you know, I will put some of those ways in the show notes so that people are, are, Mm-hmm. able to get to them. Um, and, and what are you doing now? You are, you have become a wonderful advocate for other victims, correct? Yes. I, that's my goal in life. I, and I really want, want other women and other people to know if they work in an office setting or, or whatever. And, you know, there's, you don't, no one knows what's happening with anyone around them because especially if they don't say it. Uh, you just have to be so kind. You just never know what people are going through. You know, you might look at Susie who maybe came in 10 minutes late and she doesn't have her makeup on and she's not all together. And you're like, whoa, what's wrong with her? There could be a whole lot wrong with Susie. <laughs> That's mean, true. I mean, it's... <laughs> Don't we don't know what others are going through. Sometimes there's clear signals, but most of the time there there aren't clear signals. So it's 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 really important to show kindness to everyone. Well, where can we get a copy of your soon to be released book, To Kill or Be Killed? Well, um it is available on Amazon and it's also available on the Wild Blue Press website. The launch date is Tuesday, the, the 11th of August, which is which happens to be August 10th will be the 11th year of of the 11th anniversary of the incident itself. Mm. Um so how fitting. Kind of, yes, that August 10th date keeps popping up in my life quite quite often. <laughs> Um, hmm. But I think this is how it's supposed to go. So it is available on Amazon. It's available on the Wild Blue Press website. It's available in a Kindle version. It will be available in a paperback. Um, they're working on an audio one as well. Um, and I and I did listen to a short snippet of that the other day, and it was very hard. It was very hard to, for me to listen to my own words because I, I want to believe that that's somebody else's story, you know. Um, I'm sure. And do you have a website, Joni? I will have a, a website on the Amazon. When my book is launched, I will have a website on the Amazon. Um, also, okay. It'll be connected. I'll have a website that's connected to Amazon and Wild Blue Press. And I also have an author Facebook page that I've created. Very and good. I, and, I, and I invite everybody to ask me any I mean I, I want I want to use my website as much as I can to help people get the message out. I want to be there. I want to 
I want people to open their eyes, and I want them to realize women don't make this stuff up. They don't fake this. They don't. I didn't kill my husband because I want to be famous or I want to be. It's it's just, and and I've had those accusations, you know, that I'm just a liar and none of this happened. Well, um, of of course, but. I don't know, Delilah. So, There's so much we could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, we're going to have to do this again sometime. I think, um, you know, you and I do have a lot to talk about. And I think mm-hmm. that I, I would love to do another episode with you um, once well, your book and it gets... Sounds uh, like you have a lot of really good connections that I would love to hook up with because that's... I, I just, I want to, I want to be in that environment. I want to be the person that's there to help somebody that needs help. And it's hard well, to do that. By believe yourself. me, I will be sending you more information than you want to get to keep you very oh, busy. And good. Uh, I'm glad. yes, I think, you know, you, you definitely have a lot to offer to the issue. Um, again, this is an issue that's, it's been going on since time began. However, in in the last 25, 30 years in the United States, it's, um, I don't know, it's in some ways, it's almost become a cottage industry, which is kind of offensive to me. But um, it well, seems like yeah. we have so many task forces, so many agencies, so many coalitions, so many this and that, nobody's getting any anywhere. It's, it well, seems it, to it, me, it's the yeah. Lone Rangers like you who aren't afraid to stand up and tell their stories and to offer your experiences and to offer your hand of help. You're the one that makes mm-hmm. the difference, Joni. I, and, and I thank you because I truly believe that because what, what do we have right now? We have the Epstein case. We have the Harvey Weinstein case. We have mm-hmm. um, Matt Lauer. We, but those stories are all about the abusers. The abusers are in the news. None mm-hmm. of the victims are in the news. Well, that is not going to be who I am. <laughs> and and that's <laughs> what I think scares people, Delilah, is that I am willing to tell the truth. I will stand on top of a house, and I will tell you what you want to hear because it's so important. It is. And, and I want people to I want people to listen, and I want women to go, oh, my gosh, if she can do that, I can do that. And I don't mean... If she can kill her husband, that's what. No, that that's not the answer. But but what is the answer? That's what we have to get to. Absolutely, we do. And unfortunately, we're running out of time at this in this hour. But um, we will come back and we will come up with an answer. How's that? We're gonna we'll work, do that. I'm gonna work on it as hard as I can. Thank you so much. Oh, so I'd much love to hear that. Me. Oh, you bet. And I I hope, you know, everyone go to Amazon, go to wildbluepress.com and get your copy of To Kill or Be Killed, a true crime memoir. This is a true story. This is not something someone made up and it's very difficult to read. I will I will say that it was very difficult to read. But if the story helps one other person out there, then, you know, your job is well done. And that's. Yeah. Oh, even if one person says, oh, my gosh, I read this book and I'm starting to believe in myself now. Maybe I can leave. Maybe I can become strong. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's really all I want is for women to know they're 
own strength and their own worth because we all have it. Right. Good points. Thank you so much for giving your your time today, and I wish you the best success, and I will do everything I can to be a push behind this book because I believe it needs to get out there, and it needs to be – this story needs to be read. This story needs to be believed, um, but Mm -hmm. it it needs to be read by everybody out there. So until next time. Okay. Okay. Thank you very Until much, next, Delilah. You bet. And I, I so appreciate you being so open and honest. And and I think that's just the way you are. And I like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. good luck with everything uh, with the book and with all that you're doing, Joni. And we will be back the next time. Um, I'm not sure when, but we will be back again. And I will have you back again, Joni. So as you go out there into this big, bad world, sometimes the world you're living in at home is even worse. It's even worse than what we can imagine. But as you go through life, through the Internet, through your social media contacts, just remember one thing, and that is to be kind to each other. That's all. That's all. Yes. 